1: BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Cruise Control this evening. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my two bestest friends in the entire whole worldwide, Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.ny. Say hello, fellas.
2: I'm a bit worried to say hello because he's a bestest friend in the whole wide world. But thank you. Uh, Hello, everybody, and uh, good evening. Happy to be your other best friend in the world. There you go. See? At least pretend to be happy,
1: can you? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, as usual, a show in three parts today, starting off with some news up front. Of course, some local stuff. And then we've got a bit of a discussion about autonomous driving level three. Are we indeed ready for it or not? And then, of course, a review at the end of the show. It is the Mercedes-Benz EQS Luxury Electric Sedan. Hmm. Ali, what have we got in terms of news and car launches this week?
0: Alright, so we're going to start with the global news because this is pretty big and I think it impacts our industry as well. Geely and Renault have signed an agreement to create a new company to develop, manufacture and supply hybrid powertrains and also ICE powertrains as well, uh, which is the Internal Combustion Engine so they're going to combine and uh, under this framework, it's going to be a 50-50 split between the two companies, GD and Renault. And they're going to produce next generation hybrid systems, also developing carbon-free and low emission technologies for cars. They're expected to supply industry players like, of course, Renault, their own brand, um, huh. GD as well. And everything that comes under them, I suppose, uh, Volvo, Lincoln Co., maybe Proton. Nissan and Mitsubishi as well.
2: So this is good news for the EV world, Daniel. It is good news for the EV world. But you know, here's the interesting part. Why are they still talking about producing internal combustion engines? I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I like the internal combustion engine, ICE, but everyone is saying let's go, you know, full electric, full electric. And now you're coming up with a new agreement to develop new ICE engines? So, what are you doing? Are you taking a little bit of a U-turn? Are you saying, no, I'm going to have 50% electric, 50% petrol engines? What is going on here? And, and this is what I've been saying for a long time. Is electric battery powertrain the solution? I think a lot of the car companies are saying, actually, this is not the total solution. We still have to have petrol-driven cars running on our roads, especially in Asia-Pacific. Hmm. So hybrids is always a good middle ground then? Yes. Cool. But also,
0: yes. you know, for with these companies, right, um, uh, Renault has been developing their electric vehicles as well, the Megane and also in Malaysia, the Zoe. And um, yes. we know about Gili's electric infrastructure, very solid in Correct. China.
2: So the, the fact is they're still going to be producing uh, petrol-driven engines and mm. hybrid engines. Uh, whether it filters down to Proton uh, or, you know, Nissan or Mitsubishi, we don't know yet. They say it is, but, you know, the direction doesn't seem to be very clear uh, year on year. So, let's wait and see. I think this is just, you know, maybe they're worried. Maybe they know that, you know, battery technology is still not that efficient. Maybe they're thinking, you know, batteries are still too expensive for the common man to afford mm. an electric car. This is this is what I'm thinking.
0: You know, by still producing um, ICE engines, it's like the easing into the technology because maybe the uptake is not so encouraging. So, still have to use petrol cars
2: for now. Exactly. And then you see, even, even the big players like Lamborghini and Ferrari... At one time, they said, yes, we'll be going electric. Then suddenly, middle of this year, they said, oh, we'll still produce a big power petrol engines because why? There's still a market for that because their customers are such, like I said, rich people are not interested in keeping the air clean. They just want a lot of power.
1: No comment. Okay.
0: <laughs> so moving on to some local launches. This right. week, uh, Saim Auto Connection, who distribute Ford in Malaysia, just announced the newest addition to their next generation Ford Ranger, the pickup truck. And now it has a new 2-liter XL variant, which is a four-wheel drive, single-cap manual transmission. According to them, why they're introducing this variant is because it's more durable, reliable, and more tough.
2: If you're running a farm, this is what you want. And the prices, you know? How? Well, it's from 98,000 ringgit. I mean, if you think about it, the previous single cap pickup trucks were around 70,000, 80,000 ringgit. And then, of course, prices started creeping up. Now you get, you know, a brand new Ford Ranger with, you know, it's still got that very nice SUV like interior, you know, the, the <laughs> digital screen and everything else. But you're making it cheap and cheerful by giving it a very basic manual gearbox, which is, you know, when you're on a farm, you want a manual gearbox. There's no traffic jam work. It's and true, who's true. driving it? Workers true. are driving it. You don't need yeah, all the luxury. Yeah. Workers are driving it.
0: Usually, when car brands introduce new models, they tend to be more souped up, more premium models. But Ford is going you know with an entry level that might be much more useful to the market here.
2: I think that's a great idea. The only thing I'm asking is why don't they have a double cap? That means you have you have four doors. But with a manual transmission, because sometimes even the farmers need to carry more workers or maybe they need to go, you know, into the city to pick up some things. So you still have the, the, the cab at the back. But maybe all you need is a manual transmission because a manual transmission is also much more reliable. But maybe the market is not big enough. I don't know. You know, so they've done their research. So this is what they're coming up with. So ninety-eight thousand ringgit for this new uh, Ranger base model
0: manual. On to another local launch. Now, Volvo Malaysia just announced they will be introducing the all new XC40 Recharge Pure Electric. This is for their lineup for the model year 2023. So, they have introduced this car to the Malaysian market in March this year. It's Pure Electric, also the first locally assembled Volvo electric car in the country. Where are they making it, Daniel?
2: Volvo has had a factory here for the longest time. They were the first car manufacturer to have a factory here, actually. Uh, Shah Alam, the factory is still there, it's running. So what they've done is basically this Volvo XC40 Electric, like you said earlier, was launched. Sales were very good. They delivered about 400 over units. It, it, it went very fast. And then there are no more units left. And, and the simple reason was logistics. They didn't have enough, enough CKD packs coming in from the from the mother country, from the mother factory. So they had to hold on, take in bookings. People were a bit irritated. This is why some buyers go and buy used electric cars from the gray market but anyway so they move things along they've managed to get the new version in it's called the 2023 model but it's already on sale the funny thing is they only opened for booking a few days ago and i heard a rumor it's mostly taken up already mostly taken up already So, Mm -hmm. this shows the popularity of the Volvo XC40 as an electric vehicle. They are also the first to start doing this online booking. So, you don't actually need to go to a showroom to book the car. Something which I wouldn't do. I still want to go and touch, feel, and test drive a car. But the next generation of buyers, especially electric car buyers, seem to think that, you know, it's like buying a a mobile phone. You can just, you know, book online and, you know, get it delivered to your house. So, this is how they've been doing it. And it's it's worked well because… That's what people are moving towards. So this model now comes with a few changes. It's not actually an all new model, but they call it a refresh model because they made some slight, you know, design improvements, some interior. They've added a few little gadgets. Price has gone up sixteen thousand ringgit to two seven eight 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 eight. Now, why the price has gone up? Number one, logistic cost has gone up. So you can't run away from that. It's not like Volvo is adding on more money in Malaysia just to make just to make more money. Uh, mm-hmm. The popularity of the vehicle is there, but when logistics goes up, and this is a global thing, you can ask anybody who's been shipping stuff around the world, the cost has gone up. I'm sure you know that, Richard. Yeah, yeah. On top of that, our currency has suffered a little against foreign exchange. So when they buy this CKD pack from the mother, mother factory, they have to pay more money. So when you put all this together, 16,000 ringgit more. It's also an indication of the price of other cars going up in the near future. I think only Japanese cars are not affected because the yen has lost some value against the Malaysian Ringgit, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. But everything else, different story. So Rich, would you order a car online?
1: No, never. (laughs) For the same reason that I don't buy shoes online. Oh, yeah, you,
0: you got to gotta try it on, right? Exactly. But I mean, not to defend Volvo at all, but you can't have place an order for an XC40 Recharge and see an S90 arrive at your doorstep.
2: True, true. With a car like this, you'll definitely get what you want. But you know, have you driven it? Is the seat really comfortable for your abnormal body size? Like, I have an abnormal body size. I'm not... Slim like you, Ali. I'm not tall like Richard. I'm, I'm abnormal. So I would like to sit in it, you know? Yeah, that's me. But yeah. anyway.
0: Looking at the photos of the X340 Richard, I see that
2: compartment at the front of the car. What, what does that do then? Because it's an electric car, mm. you don't have an engine. Yeah, it's it's a a, it's an, it is an additional boot. It's called that's a frunk. F-R-U-N-K.
1: That's what I was looking for, the frunk. The
2: front. Yes. So now a lot of electric cars, I think only one doesn't have it, but the rest, they all have this. It's a little compartment. But you know what can you put inside? A overnight bag, you know, a duffel bag, a backpack, a camera bag because your your pants have no pockets, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, didn't the Beatles have the thing in the front as well? You're right. You're completely ah. right because their engines were at the back. Interesting. Okay. Oh, so ah, it's seems- cars, yeah. his history. <laughs> So this is
0: a bit of a throwback move. Anyway, moving on now, just a bit of politics. A um, little
1: bit. Politics, really? A I mean, show.
0: it's yeah. the election season, right? And, so, and it's
1: Malaysian uh,
2: politics.
0: Yes. Okay. This might impact the automotive industry if it comes through. Of course, now is election season, as you know, and so political parties have been announcing their manifestos. And one of the um, interesting things that might have an impact on the automotive industry is um, Barisan National Chairman Zahid Hamidi's statement about um, if BN wins the coming general elections, he will remove the requirements for APs for electric vehicles in Malaysia. And this was reported on msn.com. It has a poster there with a a promise to say that, you know, we have an electric future that's safe without APs maybe.
2: (laughs) Daniel, what do you think of this? Okay, I think it's a good move for him to say it, but... It's not going to be viable for anyone like me and Richard. Of course, you, Ali, because you're rich, it doesn't apply to you. Yeah. Now, I'll explain why. Removing the APs for electric vehicles, of course, has an impact with the AP holders who are currently bringing in electric cars. Because they're going to say now, any Malaysian can just go and buy an electric car. So, for example, say now, they've won and they've confirmed this, Okay. So now you're in January 2023 and you want to buy an electric car. And you say, okay, I think I want to buy an electric car. I don't have to go and see AP holder. I don't have to buy a Volvo or Mercedes from the official importer. I want to go to UK and buy a Tesla, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you fly to UK, you buy a Tesla. Without an AP, it means that you have to buy the car in the country of origin cash. Full payment. Mm-hmm. You have to ship the car back. You have to go through all the documentation. Of course, there's no text, but there's still documentation. And then when the car arrives, you have to go and register it and do everything else. Now, all that is cash, logistics, the shipping, the insurance to bring the car into Malaysia. At best, without the AP holder, you're going to be saving maybe 100, 120,000 ringgit. Good news. But the car is still going to be 300,000, which doesn't apply to me and Richard.
0: It's not going to change now. the
2: prices of the cars. Yes, it'll change the price of the very expensive grey import electric cars which a lot of them are coming in right now but again even if you're someone like Ali with a big salary from BFM would you want to go to UK find a car buy it cash ship it back pay cash wait for it to arrive go and clear it because that's what the AP holder does for you anyway so two ways of looking at it he takes out the cash he buys the car he does all the documentation he gets it nice and shiny in the showroom you come when you buy you can buy on loan right you don't have to take out 300000 You get a loan. Maybe you pay, you pay only $30,000, 40000 down and you pay monthly. But when you do this, you have to do it all cash. And then, you know, you have to factor in your cost of going to UK. But of course, like for Ali, because he's already got a country home in UK. He's Private got a driver jet. there and he's got money there. It's okay, lah, you know. <laughs> this is what a lot of people will not realize when it happens. But if it does happen, my speculation is they might slowly also remove the AP or normal cars.
1: That would be uh, controversial.
2: To that would be a big thing. That would be a huge thing. That will make a lot of Malaysians very happy. But they didn't say that. They only said electric cars. Yeah, I am mm. just. It'll make guessing. a lot of
1: Malaysians very happy, but it will also make a lot of businessmen um, perhaps less happy. Shall we say?
2: <laughs> very unhappy because straight away their business model is is going to drop by at least yeah. half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Speculation,
1: though, as we've said. Nothing more than that at this stage. Mm -hmm. Okay, that little bit of politics, I think, has has tired me out. Hmm. Um, Let's take a break. Of course, we'll be back in just a few moments when we'll be discussing all about autonomous driving, level three. Are we ready for it yet? This is Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone with Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and, of course, Ali Johan. have been discussing a few things. Geely and Renault combining Ford Ranger XL single cab Volvo XC40. Uh, um, something from politics, but we're moving on from that. And now we're going to talk about autonomous driving level three. Uh, what is it? Are we ready for it? Daniel,
2: tell me all about it. Okay, we have been talking about autonomous driving since the name was coined because a lot of people a lot of people are just not drivers. I mean, they have license, they can drive, but you know, in their hearts, they just want to sit in the car and get from A to B. That is why ride hailing has become so popular because it became a cheaper way to commute, right? And a lot of people thought, you know, hey, why do I need to go and, you know, drive in traffic and look for parking and all these kind of things? You know, if I could just get there and it's so easy. So now... Car manufacturers have worked very hard with tech companies to come with autonomous cars. So we had level one, which is you know, uh, I think it came out about five, six, seven years ago. Then we had level two, which is now very popular, with even national cars having it. And you can see a lot of people in heavy traffic jam. I see this quite often when I ride my little scooter in heavy traffic in the mornings and especially in the evenings when people are tired. When they're sitting in the traffic jam, they just put their their autonomous level two on, and they just crawl in traffic. Now it's not wrong to do that; it's taking off some of the the, the headache of you know uh, holding on to the steering or you know playing with your pedals and you know changing gears. The thing is, you're not concentrating at all in front of you. You're looking at your handphone, watching a movie, listening to the news, watching a music video, some political babbling, whatever. It's wrong. You're not supposed to be looking at a screen. You're supposed to be looking ahead, even mm-hmm. when you're not driving. Because why? In countries like Malaysia, Southeast Asia, Jakarta, Indonesia, even Singapore, you have heavy traffic, you have little motorbikes running in and out, you have people crossing the road, you have all kinds of other conditions happening, right? So, car companies uh, and tech companies have come up with next level autonomy, level 3. Now, level 3 has just sneaked in with a lot of new electric cars because electric cars are tech-heavy, they got a lot of sensors, they got a lot of... Um, camera systems running, uh, you know, even even before there's like Subaru EyeSight, you know, they, they, they got so many things working for you to basically take your hands off the steering. So they play with level three. Now, level three is to me a little bit dangerous. Why? Because you can actually go on the highway, go to a certain speed, start reading a book. Like I put a picture of a lady, you know, reading a book while, while g- going on level three. Uh, some people recline the seat and basically take a little bit of a snooze. This is not a good thing because why? Yes, the car can work itself well but it's not perfect. There have mm-hmm. been cases of accidents happening in Europe, quite a number in America because America has those, those major highways which are very regulated so you can keep to a certain speed but there are times when people make mistakes on the highway also, right? Right. Now, the problem with Level 3 right now and I'm, I'm still doing a little bit of research on this is when there is an accident who do you blame? Mm -hmm. So do you blame the technology? Do you blame the car manufacturer? Do you blame the driver who was not looking? Now, obviously, for the insurance company, you're the driver. I don't care whether you're using, you know, level one, two, three, you are supposed to be hands on the wheel looking ahead, right? Yeah. Now, the car driver will say, hey, you know, this technology says I can do this. So I want to sue the technology provider. The technology provider said, oh, I put it in the car. Maybe the car wasn't working very well. I don't know whatever they want to say, lah, you know, but there will be someone pointing to blame at someone else. But for the policeman making the report, Can you imagine how confusing it will be for him? Mm.
1: You know what? This raises some really interesting philosophical questions as well. And without getting too deep into this, um, imagine you're in a a level three autonomous vehicle and the vehicle recognizes um, it's going to have an impact uh, either way. right? And then the the choices that the vehicle then has to make is it either plows into a group of people bringing the vehicle to a stop Mm. or it plows into like a pole bringing the vehicle to a stop
2: ah okay that so means then swerving the, or going straight
1: right so the vehicle has to make the choice of either potentially injuring pedestrians or potentially injuring the driver how right. does that vehicle know which decision to make and which is the right decision
2: can a robot make that decision mm. exactly because this is a robot a, a, a autonomous car is a robot yeah yeah so ali ah. what do you think
0: I think, I mean, this is being idealistic, but if we limit level 3 driving to traffic jams only and never on the highways, because it gets tiring in cities especially, like you mentioned,
2: Jakarta, uh, Bangkok, Kuala Lumpur even in these days and age. Okay, I've test driven so many cars with with self-driving mode and every single time when I use self-driving in heavy traffic, it works well. Especially with with cars with, you know, uh, updated software and everything else. The only problem is when it rains, it doesn't work well. Because when the rain gets heavy, the sensors are not working well. Mm -hmm. Now, when it's rainy and windy at the same time, there's some havoc. Sometimes the car will break for no reason. I've, I've, you know, reversed into my house, okay? Reversed into my house, about to put it into park, and the car just kept going. I don't know how to explain this, but the car didn't want me to, to go into park. You know what I mean? That's scary. Because yeah, that it was that is scary. Yeah, because it was raining heavily and it was also very windy. So there's some sensors saying, no, 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 you're supposed to go somewhere. You're supposed to go somewhere, you know? Yeah. Even when you're coming off the highway you're you're feeding off into a small road, nothing in front of me, nothing blocking, the car just breaks. And That's this has worrying. happened a few times. Also during rain. So the, the sensor is not perfect. The robot is not perfect. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The eye is perfect as long as your vision is okay. And, you know, this is the thing that we can take a, a decision that we can live with or not. But the machine doesn't yeah. have to live with the decision, yeah, you know? Exactly, wow, exactly. that's profound. That is true, though. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. just thinking
0: about the traffic jam thing because we would be travelling at about 10 to 15 kilometres per hour.
2: You and
1: know? The, these robots would be, hopefully, communicating with one another.
2: One another, they? yeah. Well, in an ideal world, the cars are supposed to communicate with one another. So if one car is slowing down, it quickly informs the cars at the back or if yeah. it's turning or whatever. But this yeah. is where we say ideal world. That means every car must have the same tech.
1: Yeah. Or at least the same communication chip. Exactly.
2: But if I'm driving my old 20-year-old car, Ali is driving his brand new you know, Mercedes uh, EQS, uh-huh. and Richard is driving a Tesla, how uh-huh. do you communicate?
1: Uh-huh. You open your window and you shout, Slow down, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Still manual. Slow and then... And then with the robot car, the window might not come down because he's saying, it's raining, don't open your window. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. Sorry, I'm not going to open the window, it's raining.
1: You're going to get me wet, don't do that. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Ah, interesting so, stuff though. Yeah, so this is something which is coming very, very soon. It's here already because a lot of them are using radar and you know, the, the very famous system called LIDAR. And you know LIDAR is supposed to be very, very efficient. But again, I think in major cities like the ones I mentioned, it's going to be very difficult.
1: They have that tech on a lot of phones, don't they? Uh, LIDAR, LIDAR. Yes. Uh, it measures distances, doesn't it? And and whether or not it's kind of what whatever shape it is, it's measuring. Stuff like yes.
2: that. And also when you read about, you know, um, you know, robo taxis in, in China and California all running, huh? mm. you notice they are in a confined area. Yeah. Like say you, you go to a brand new housing area, they map out that area, put the whole memory into the, the car, and the robot taxi just works around that area. It can't leave that area, you know. Mm. You know,
1: if you bring it down fundamentally, you've seen those robot vacuums, right?
2: Yes, exactly, right. exactly. And
1: you've seen how they're very good if you put them on one level and give them yes. time to kind of familiarize them, say themselves with that level. But the second you put them anywhere else, they go crazy. They're banging, they're banging into walls and they're tipping yes. over, and yeah. Yes. They act
2: like me after a few drinks. Anyway, so that's a problem.
1: Good stuff. Uh, Ladies and gents, we've come to the end of part two, of course, all about autonomous driving level three. Are we ready for it? Uh, Not so sure. Coming up after the break, though, we've got a car review. It's the Mercedes-Benz EQS Luxury Electric Sedan, uh, and Daniel will be talking us through its finer points here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to the third and final part of this evening's show here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. I've probably said that, but I'm going to say it again just in case you missed it. Now, we've got a review. It's the all-electric EQS. It's on sale here in Malaysia right now, and it is priced at a humbling 698,000
2: ringgit. Daniel, is it worth it? Let me explain a little bit about this car first. <laughs> okay, before I say anything about the price, let me explain something. Now, Mercedes-Benz have been selling the S-Class. You know the S-Class? Yes. That's that's the the, the big brother Mercedes, the the luxury sedan, the the most you know comfortable, beautiful, well-groomed uh, you know piece of machinery that you can arrive in to show that hey I got money, you got lessa, huh? you know that kind of thing lah. You know. Now the EQS. Electric car is basically an electric version of the S-Class. I know Mercedes-Benz is not going to be too (laughs) happy in me saying that because they say the EQS is the EQS. But to me, if you're driving an S-Class petrol-driven or hybrid S-Class Mercedes-Benz, this is the equivalent in terms of being battery-powered, full electric. Got it. Now, in terms of footprint, size, uh, comfort level, technology, in terms of cabin technology, almost similar. You know, lots of space. Um, yes, it's got that sloping roofline. If you look at it uh, side view, it's it's sleek. It's it's aerodynamic. It's um, you know, it's almost like a, a rebirth of the CLS Mercedes. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. But to me, it's an S class because why the luxury inside this vehicle. But let's 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 go back a little bit more. Get into this car. You look at the the features in this car, and you say to yourself, "My word." Three massive screens combined under one piece of glass from left to right to give you a thing called a hyper screen. Uh So if you look at it from the back of the car, if you're sitting in the back seat, it looks like one big screen, but actually it's three separate screens. One for the driver, one in the middle for the driver and the passenger to use, and one on the extreme left just for the passenger to have fun. You know? And I don't understand that because why well, the passenger is not supposed to be having fun?
1: <laughs> it's for them to play Candy Crush while they're waiting in traffic.
2: Exactly. So you got this wonderful feature on this car right in front. Then of course you got the back seat comfort. Now even with that sloping roofline and that silhouette, you still have a lot of space in the back for someone like you, Richard. Still a lot uh-huh. of space, a lot of legroom. Yes, this is a big car. The footprint of this car. I parked it in a couple of malls. It's out of the box. Either they didn't draw the box properly or it's just too big. It's out of the box. But it's grand. It arrives, it's got presence. That whole new front end, you know, the electric front end says, hey, you know, look at me. And I parked it next to some competing vehicles and even some of the older Mercedes cars. Immediately, it stands out. It says, hey, I'm electric, I'm new, I'm the future. (laughs) Look at me, you know. (laughs) So, we, we picked this car up. We actually test drove it a, a couple of weeks earlier at a, at, a, at a media test drive to Malacca and back. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, when you when you drive it alone over a long distance, you don't get to actually sit down and, and live with the car in the city. So, mm. I asked for it. I said, I need to drive it in the city. I need to drive it with my family. I need to drive it with my friends. So, I took it over the weekend. Everywhere we went, even teenagers were taking pictures of the car, smiling, waving. You know, you only get a reaction like this when you drive something really exotic. Even though it's a Mercedes-Benz that doesn't look all that much exotic, it's still exotic because there's been so much hype about the EQS, fully electric, its technology, its features, even the younger generation. And there were some people who hesitantly, very carefully came up to me and said, Hi, is this electric car? In terms of battery technology, this car has got 333 horsepower, which is a lot of horsepower coming from electric car. The torque is 565. Now, some will say, oh, that's much. I've heard cars got 1,000. But this is pure electric. So, the, the power is instant. You get a 0 to 100 acceleration in 6.2 seconds. Now, again, some people say, I, I, I know some electric cars can do 4 seconds, 3 seconds. Those are sports cars, electric sports cars. They also drink a lot of battery juice. Yeah. This car... Is very reasonable. 6.2 seconds is about the same kind of power delivery you'll get in an S-Class Hybrid. Okay? Top speed, 210. There's a reason for that. We want to keep the juice with you. Now, all this gives you a benefit of full electric driving range between 631 to 782 kilometers. That's a lot of range. That's a long way. Yes. So, when I got the car, I had it for exactly four days. I drove it, I drove it as much as possible in the city, going into KL, around PJ, going to Shalom, doing errands, whatever. Every time I needed to go out, even to, you know, I don't need to go out, I'll make myself go out, you know. (laughs) I got the car at about 92%, 93% of battery. I sent it back at just above 20%. And that was over four days of very active driving, including not being lethargic on the accelerator pedal. That's my word, Okay. (laughs) When I wanted to accelerate, I accelerated. When the road opened up, I accelerated. Mid-range stock, I tried to enjoy it as much as possible. Because why? I know I've got charging facilities, so I don't Mm. have to worry. I'm in the city, Mm. you know? Mm. So I really used this car a way a normal human being will use it. Not trying to get the best mileage or trying to get, you know, the longest distance. I really wanted to use it. Mm -hmm. Now, the total distance I traveled was just under 580 kilometers. And you still, so you used what, about 70% of the battery? About 70% of the battery, which is still not bad. That's good? Yes. Now, a car like this, you must understand, now battery management, software and everything else is constantly being updated. And Mercedes is always going further, going further, going further with technology because they want to make sure that people who buy the electric cars use it. This Mm. is not a showpiece. It's just like how the other big boys are doing it. When they do the electric cars, they want it to be driven, they want it to be shown. So with this kind of driving distance, I would say if you charge it fully and you're living in Kuala Lumpur, you can actually go to Penang, in between stop, go makan-makan, you know, do some sightseeing, arrive in Penang with more than enough juice to handle Penang traffic, arrive at your hotel, charge it overnight, you know? Yeah. Have a nice nap, have a nice sleep, few drinks, few dinners, whatever, next day, you come back, you have no problem. Now, if you're thinking of going to Kuala Trangano, you'll also arrive in Kuala Trungano, park it, charge it, have a good night, and you can come back the next day. So, this car allows, uh, um, uh, you know, corporate tycoon, captain of industry, uh, uh, producer at BFM, to own a luxury electric car and still go the distance. Wow. You've made it sound very appealing. It is very appealing. And I have to say this again. You look at the interior. That interior is pure luxury. Pure luxury. Touch, feel, points. Everything is luxury. Sorry, you're going to ask me something? But I think the you've price.
1: got more to add. Yes. <laughs> That's <was good. laughs> that right. Stop okay. beating around the bush. Okay. Is it worth the money?
2: 698000 is a lot of money. But remember, yeah. this is a tax-free price. Remember, electric cars are expensive. So if there was no tax-free... You're looking at crossing 1 million ringgit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Now, if you say, No, I, I still cannot swallow this full electric thing, I'm still worried a little bit about charging, I'm still worried about battery. Okay, you get the S Class Hybrid, which is still selling, S580E, still selling in Malaysia. It's a three liter petrol engine in line six. Um, it's priced at 698,000 ringgit, which is a few dollars more. Now, you must understand that the plug-in hybrid still has got tax on it uh-huh so if you're walking into a mercedes-benz showroom tomorrow and you're saying okay i'm going to buy a, a big luxury car and you look at the s-class I'm, I'm not trying to kill anybody's sales here but you might say hey for almost the same price uh, i get this beautiful seductive looking sedan full electric is the next generation vehicle technology and it's got all the luxury in an s-class uh, 580 so why not just buy the EQS 450 plus full electric Mercedes-Benz? So this is where the seesaw will, will start, you know, affecting your brain. Like, do I go plug-in hybrid? Do I go fully right.
1: I See, you know? Ali, I noticed you've kept quiet all the way through this.
2: <laughs> Ali will be yeah. checking his bank account whether we <laughs> enough money. Just for, I guess, um,
0: choices sake, Daniel, for the same right. price, what other brands offer this kind of luxury
2: sedan? The closest rival to me is the Porsche Taycan. Uh-huh. I can't see anything else that's close to it right now. Of course, BMW has a rival. It's not here yet. They've, they've opened bookings for the i7, the, the BMW, but it's not here yet. There's no price on it. And then you've got the Audi e-tron, which is basically an Audi version of the Porsche Taycan because Porsche and Audi are sharing the platform and the technology. Just the shape is different. Mm. But with the Porsche Taycan, you've got a slightly more sports-orientated vehicle. Yes, it's photos and everything else, you know? Hmm. But when you're talking about pure luxury sedan driving, at the moment, there is no rival because the BMW is not here and the Audi is not here. So I can see a Porsche Taycan owner looking at this as his second electric vehicle. You know, this is to go to the office, the Taycan for his plaything, you know, but mm. w- whether it works or not, it depends on how much money you got. Because remember, you're not paying any tax. So when you're not paying any tax, instead of buying one huge luxury car, you can buy two electric luxury cars, la. <laughs> Say <laughs> money
1: and that is the quote of the show today. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's wrap up, shall we? Yep. Folks, you have been tuned into to Cruise Control, of course, the car show here on BFM. Uh, we've been talking about a bunch of things, but in particular, and in no order, uh, well, really, there is a bit of an order, I suppose. Well, yeah, we do follow an order. We've got news at the top of the show. Uh, Geely and Renault are combining Ford Ranger XL single cab, the Volvo XC40, recharges stuff, and uh, something from the uh, manifestos that are floating around right now. You might know there's an election coming in a couple of days, uh, a few days' time, rather. Uh, and then, of course, a discussion about autonomous driving levels three wrapping up with of course that review of the mercedes-benz eqs luxury electric sedan if you missed any part of the show head over to the bfm website or download the bfm app and listen to it at your leisure there it's available in the apple app store or google play my name is rich bradbury for bfm 89.9 the business station